Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. This is Tommy Rockstar from Latex Generation, and you're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. It's time to get embarrassed with us. Oh, hello. Oh, oh, hello. Welcome back. You were here, and now you're there. <laughs> and, every, and everywhere. We're everywhere. Thanks so much for being here this week, person listening to us, yes. whoever you may be. Or dog, very close to person's computer. Or cat. No, that's not true. No cat's listening to this the shit. The cat is not listening. <laughs> the cat is sitting, this cat is sitting on the keyboard for warmth and my, not listening to the show, absolutely. My border collie is going to listen to this, like, tilt head. Left, tilt head, right. What? Oh. No, this is tilt head. Flippy, this is just for you. For those of you out there that don't know, that's Alon, and he is an animal lover, and he lives in a zoo here in Brooklyn. And what you just heard, you probably didn't hear because it was such a high pitch, but I know my audience. Welcome again. My name is Alon, that's Jimmy, and we are the team of Lost and Rewound here on Radio Free Brooklyn, coming to you. 3 p.m. every Thursday. If you want to support us, you know, because we need the support. Not the emotional support, the financial support. And not like a bustier like support, but financial support. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash LAR to be a direct sponsor for our program. A dollar, three dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen dollars, twenty dollars with pitches. <laughs> you could you could sing and send it to us in the mail as well. Yes, pitch and provide. Why provide us with a pitch? And you could also directly contribute to the station itself. Indeed, at uh, radiofreebrooklyn.org slash pledge. Pledge a dollar. Pledge three dollars. Again, any amount of money will be so great for our cause. The Radio Free Brooklyn community runs on the kind contributions of people like you who support the arts. Um, you know, we are free speech, baby. We're not for profit. You know, we try to do this for Bushwick and beyond. Even though it sounds like I'm selling whatever I'm talking about, we are not for profit. Dude, it's okay. <laughs> you, Jimmy, you and I, I think we share one very similar trait besides uh, the fact that we host the same show, and that is that we are destined for a sad career in voiceover. <laughs> uh, I can, I hear you. I hear you, dude. I, I'm ready to hear a bunch of no's. I'm, uh, I'm excited about the no's. <laughs> <laughs> so we now bring you a guest this week. Before we get to her, let us play a little segue. Mm, segue music. Yeah. Today on the program is Lindsay Freeman, a new musician in the city, going through, as many musicians do, 
a creative process to bring her here to our show. Lost and Rewound. Welcome, well, Lindsay. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you guys so much. I'm so excited to be here. Did I hear correctly on your way in that you are making your radio show slash podcast debut with us? I am indeed. This is this oh! is a big moment. Um, yeah. I mean, you can't see the excitement because this is radio, but it's here. Yeah. It's my live. radio cherry has been popped right now. I'm going to add some sirens right here. <laughs> <laughs> mm, dropping science like we just like we went to the library and got slapped hands. Now you are originally from where? New Jersey. So you didn't have to go very far. No, I just cro- I just crossed the Hudson. You just crossed the Hudson. <laughs> and all. Did you do it in a small like skiff? Yeah, just uh, you know those donut shaped rafts. That's <laughs> exactly. what I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a great country. <laughs> Were your parents from the East Coast as well? Uh, they're born and raised in New Jersey as well. Oh yeah, very blue collared. Oh yeah, yeah. What uh, what town? Edison, home of the light bulb. Excellent. Home yeah. of, oh, I don't even want to get because you guys probably love that man. Edison. We love that man. <laughs> Do you know that he was like? I don't want to start talking. You're not smack allowed. You're not allowed. I know. I know. There's a lot of smack. He's to be a said. dirty, He's a, dirty old man. I was but like, say, aren't we all? <laughs> we, inside, yes, we are. I'm I was a dirty say, old man. You're not allowed to mention Tesla in local businesses. Uh, sure. <laughs> My favorite, like Edison fact is that he had this gang of ruffians called the Edison Boys, and he would like send them around to competing inventors' laboratories to pressure them. I mean, like, wouldn't you do that? I mean, if I could have a gang of thugs... It's like the that, Al Capone of electricity. Yeah, exactly. They call themselves the Hoff Crew or something like that. They had H's on their shirts, and they'd be like, ah, you know, big Hoffman shit, you could only be doing this. Like, I would... Yeah, I'd be all about it, honestly. Absolutely. When you were living in New Jersey, what kind of odd jobs did you have before moving here? Oh, whew. Okay, so mama and papa put me to work real early. So my first job was at 14. I worked for a pizza shop. I think I lasted a month. Um, I worked every Sunday for $5 an hour, cash under the table. The pizza guy was a little creepy, possibly a little sexual, so I left without mm. ever getting my last $50. Oh. I still like want to go back and be like, you owe me $50. Or you owe me lots of delicious pizza. Lots of delicious Just pizza. keep it coming. Then I upgraded, and I worked at the Starbucks and Menlo Park Mall in Edison, New Jersey. Okay. A lot of Frappuccinos. A lot of Frappuccinos. A and lot. I, yeah, I worked there from 16, to, uh, right before I moved to the city, so from 16 to 19. Three years of working at Starbucks, and you probably had no problems at all whatsoever working in food service for that period of time. Although I hear that they do treat their employees Quite well. They treated me amazingly because I always volunteered to do the inventory in the basement of the mall, little sketch, because I did the 5 a.m. shift. So I would go down, I'm sorry, former boss, she probably doesn't work at Starbucks anymore, and take a nap down there while doing inventory and eat a few donuts. So, like, I was living the dream. <laughs> yeah, napping on the job. Napping on the classy. job. <laughs> I, I remember Responsibility. when I was, like, in my mid-20s, I had a place in work in Manhattan. I had an alcove area uh, off to the kitchen. We had two floors. One of the guys came down from the floor above to my floor <laughs> and actually in my area slept underneath the table. He's like, I hope you don't mind. I'm just going to, you know, 
pop underneath this table here and <laughs> sleep for about an hour and just make sure to remember to wake me up. <laughs> I, I mean, I was like, that's not my job, but I will do it anyway. Naps are important. I have a, couple of, uh, a couple of great napping on the job stories. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mr. 10 year tour guide. 11 years now. Oh, yeah. wait, how do you nap as a tour guide? Well, I used to do the double decker tours. Oh my God. And when I did the double decker tours, basically, there was this theater. And where all the tour guides would be like our break room. And it's the same. Which theater was it? So it was the same theater that was like the adult theater in Taxi Driver. Since it was that type of theater, I would never wear shorts in that theater. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think I. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, Travis Bickle is my spirit animal, so I get it. I mean, it's so great. So but, good. So in the back of the theater, we would go back there and we would unscrew the light bulb <laughs> so you couldn't see into the back. Nice. And we would just sit in the shadows and they would like look in and if they couldn't see you, like. They would eventually get to you, but it'd be the end of the day. And they'd be like, ah, I guess we're just going to send you home now. Was that the sketchiest place you've ever slept? Oh, in an old photo movie theater? I don't think you can get much sketchier than that. That's pretty sketchy. Also, yeah. like, highly impressive. And I kind of want to go th- and do that now. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're already inspiring. The other one where I couldn't get away with it is I was on a jury. <laughs> And it was the most boring, <laughs> it was like so boring the case. And I kept falling asleep in the jury box. And every time I would fall asleep, the judge would call it out. Like the moment I would close my eyes, she'd be like, juror number seven, six, wake up. And I'd be like, Ugh. That's an ambitious place to try to fall asleep. No, the thing was, it was so hard to stay awake. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. It was like impossible. I was like, oh my God. For, and for you, Lindsay, that was probably the sketchiest place you've ever slept? Or was there a... Ooh, hmm... I mean, there's been, like, a couple guys' apartments that were kind of sketchy that I slept in, but that's, like, classic. Um, No, I'm going to say the basement of a mall in the middle of New Jersey, probably the sketchiest place I ever slept. And when did you move to New York? I moved to New York for college in 2007. Oh, goodness. Okay. Yeah. So I'm coming up on my 10 years here. Does that make me a New Yorker? I think that that's. I've been punched in the face on the subway, so like I'm definitely a New Yorker. Yeah, more than a New Yorker than I am. (laughs) It's one of those things I always think that like there's certain events that make you a New Yorker. You know what it is? The real test of being a New Yorker is when something totally crazy happens and you just don't even care. The situation was was so grotesque I can't even describe it. But there was a home. There was a homeless guy that was doing something. And he was menacing everyone on the street. Mm. And it was just like horrifying. And it was one of those things that was also impressive. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> no. It's like you have like balls to do that. Like good you don't get if anybody like, really, really wants to know how cares. how awful it was, <laughs> you can email the show. And yes, and I'll and I'll tell you. <laughs> Ten years ago you move here for school. Where'd you go to school? The new school. How was that experience? I loved it. Yes. Um, I loved it so much. I did my first year at Rutgers. Did not love it so much. Much bigger school. Yeah. I remember I was very excited to go to school. First of all, I was a snob. I only applied to Berkeley College of Music. I was like, I'm going to get in. Didn't get in. I was like, I'm going to go to Rutgers. Everyone from New Jersey goes to Rutgers. I'm going to Rutgers. I did last a semester. Got my credits. But uh, I, ha- I was like, my room, my dorm room is going to be like Arabian night themed. Like we're going to have insets. We're going to have like, you know, some inspiration, a meditation altar. And I walked in and a transfer student had already moved in. And it was the girl from Legally Blonde. Wow. And did she have a little chihuahua in her she purse? She did not. But everything was pink and fuzzy. And there were like beer pong posters on the wall. I was like, oh, God, you're funny. Like, yeah, this is going to be interesting. I was like, but I'm going to try to make new friends. I'm going to branch out. She invited me to my first and only fraternity party, and I literally walked in and was like, nope, and then the circle walked out, 
grabbed myself a Miller Lite and took a nice long walk in the woods. <laughs> I like this chick. And I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, awesome. I was like, uh, it's time to go to New York. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great story. Uh, and, and yeah, I can definitely understand why you would never want to be going to school in that kind of environment. So obviously no. not much. Uh, great classes. Just like mm. you're in your first year of school. So you're going to get that first university experience, whether you like it or not. And if it's in the city, it's just on a more escalated level because I mean, versus being in a campus, being in the city, there's such heightened senses of why, what's around. Why I love the new school is because I could go to class and then live life. I wasn't trying to join clubs. I wasn't trying to like, you know what I mean? I was like yeah. ready to live life and start working and get an education at the same time. And that, that fraternity life happens because there's like nothing else to yeah, do. Like what else do you do? Like I, I went know. to a single fraternity party at my college and my college was like a almost fraternityless school. And all I remember about it is that I had lots of different sized liquor. And like weird duct colors. Tape, duct taped to my body. That, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> you never heard of that game, Edward Forty Hands? Oh, yes, I have heard of that game. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it a step further. You told me that you've done the uh, Merlin or whatever it was. The wizard. What is that? Oh, uh, what is Wisest that? Wizard. Wisest Wizard is... It's the funniest drink. It's the funniest drinking game that exists, in my opinion. (laughs) What you do when you're drinking beer cans, you basically you duct tape every beer can that you finish, like the empties, on the bottom of this current can that you're drinking to make a to make a staff is the hope. It it starts as a wand, but you want to get it to a staff. And what makes the game even better is that you wear like fake beards and like wizard outfits. Okay, see, this really is the begin- kind of game I could get into. <laughs> so you really begin to look like a wizard. Oh yeah. Okay. So as opposed to going to a fraternity party where they're likely going to try to put on some kind of uh, show with drinking, I mean, there's always going to be that, no matter what, if it's a fraternity or if it's not. But yeah. What you were doing was you were just combining LARPing and drinking. Yeah. Basically. Yes. Basically. If there's costumes involved, like count man. <laughs> I mean, it just. I feel like I kind of wanted to take it to. The the next step like just be like really really done up but at the end of the party you're still just now, a drunk did you, did you make stuff. up this game or this like exists i heard of it from friends of mine i don't i don't think that they made i it think up. you should trademark it before anyone else does halloween's Jesus. coming halloween is coming up you uh, are a big fan of that obviously since drinking and dressing up is something you are into well uh so my day job is i work in theater so i dress up a lot yes <laughs> I've been trying for years to go. I don't have 10 friends. I've never had 10 friends at one time. But for years, I've been trying to go as the sun and make everyone else a planet. That's wonderful. I think that that would be hilarious. I want to be the solar system. Uh, Still not going to work. Still don't have 10 friends. So this year, they're going to keep it simple. I'm just going to wear a dress. And I'm just going to drink champagne all night and go as a classy bitch. Like, done. I'm done. Because, because, Because you're saying... This is a costume. This is a costume. (laughs) Don't you think it's crazy that you can go to like one of those comic conventions with the cosplays and there will be a group of people who will totally be down to get together and dress up as a group versus that of Halloween where it just doesn't happen? No, It's like Halloween's the time where it's like, nah, I'm going for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Halloween is a selfish holiday. (laughs) When I was a kid, we had one theme year and it worked out to a degree. Okay. We did Scooby-Doo. Oh, that's a good one. It was good. That's a good one. People get behind Scooby Doo. They, they were a lot on board. Options. Yeah. yeah. So it was easy too. Yeah. So I was shaggy. Naturally. And I had like longish hair and I just got a green shirt that was a V neck and brown pants. Like yeah. boom, shaggy. Easy. My uh we had a dog. Oh. That was my friend's dog. That Bonus. was a, bra- a brown dog. Bonus. <laughs> and um then we had uh, a girl that looked sort of like Velma anyway. Oh, 
Okay. Uh, I, know, I know who that is. <laughs> this is going to be my friend of ours, Melinda Garcia. Shout-outs to Melinda Garcia. Zach Poots, who actually was a guest on the show, he was Fred. But the only problem was we couldn't find a blonde wig that was like a good blonde wig. But he had like the perfect orange neckerchief. It worked. Beautiful. Oh, And nice. then we didn't have a Daphne. She was off somewhere. And then oh. the replacement. You ever see how Scooby-Doo used to have those ridiculous over-the-top celebrity guests that'd be on the show? <laughs> yeah. We had, as the last member of our crew, uh, a buddy of mine that was dressed up as Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And he, so he was either Rocky or Stallone. We didn't Because yeah, yeah. Batman used to be on Scooby-Doo all the time, if yeah. you remember. Remember that? But Rocky was a better choice. We were like, and my buddy was really jacked for a high school student. It was very silly. Jackies. You'd be like, oh, yeah, exactly. It's a mystery. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay, when you got here, you said you uh, are in theater now. Were you more involved in music when you got here, or were you more involved in theater? Definitely more involved in theater. I kind (laughs) of, when I didn't get into Berkeley College of Music, I was like, oh, I'm never playing music again. (laughs) How long had you been playing music? All my life, really. Uh, Not guitar. Since I was five, I had played the piano. And I was in every competitive choir. I thought I was going to be a choir teacher. Like, thank God that didn't happen. Yeah, I was always in singing competitions. The minute I could drop Spanish in high school, I took like AP music theory and like choir and just loved it. I guess when, you know, you have a low ego when you're younger. So I was like, I'm never doing music again. I was like, but instead I'll do musical theater. <laughs> Did your parents get a chance to record a lot of your musical theater performances when you were growing up? Uh, they did. My poor sister actually was my one and only audience member for like a good 15 years at home. And I'd be like, okay, we're going to play talent show in the backyard. And I'd be singing for two hours. And she'd be like, okay, it's my turn. I love my sister. She can't carry a tune. And she'd be like, uh, I'm like, okay, your turn now. It's my turn again. <laughs> so to this day, we laugh whenever people in New York are like, can you play me a song? I crack up because my entire family, all I would do would be like belting in my room. They'd be like, shut up. We get it. We heard this song already. But they did always come and videotape my performances, which was nice. So we'll, have, we'll have to unearth them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah we can find them. You're already, I'm, I'm pretty convinced. Uh, Jimmy met you recently and said that you were just perfect for the show. I would be inclined. Oh, that's to ag- so kind. I'd be inclined <laughs> to agree. And even though we haven't even gotten to the heart of the matter, I would love to hear what you have from those archives. Oh, yeah. They're funny. They're interesting. I thought I was Britney Spears, for sure. (laughs) We'll get to the clips that you have later on in the show. But for now, I do want to focus on the fact that you uh, have followed your heart and gotten back to music. What in your head became the catalyst for saying, I am going to go back and pursue this? A few things. I went through a terrible breakup, and I was like, you know what? I haven't done music or songwriting in a really long time and to be honest the songs I would write when I was a teenager kind of sucked because I didn't go through enough shit you know all of a sudden I had things to say um and then I was like I've always wanted to play the guitar and I said I had this list of all these things I want to do I quit my job I said I'm just going to start doing all these things that I want to do that got me back into it then I got out of it again real quick actually last night was the first open mic I've done in a probably two years when so I wow. just started doing it up again and getting the courage. Wow. Congratulations. This is fuel for the fire then. Yeah, I just felt um, I might have gone to a psychic and she said music was going to come back into my life. And like, I guess the bitch was right. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that psychic like, chick, she got something right. I was like, okay, like, you should tell me a lot of other stuff that clearly isn't happening. <laughs> Sec- two years ago then, yeah. you did your first open mic? Yeah, um, but not singing. I started doing spoken word. 
what was that experience like? I loved it. So shout out to the Norican Poets Cafe awesome and to place. Jive Poetic, who hosts it, um, who's just amazing and inspiring. And uh, they actually have an open mic every Wednesday, except for the first of the month. And I'm usually there every Wednesday performing. And I love it. For me, it's going to church. I don't go to church. I go to Norican Poets Cafe. <laughs> How did you find out about New York and or were you involved in spoken word interests before uh, that? Before that, I was like, oh, I want to do spoken word. So I found this guy on Craigslist named Jay. Jay and I no longer talk. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I love your stuff. Come out. And it'd be at these like shady, weird places and like queens that were like part of a bar in the back like not very put together jay was a little bit of a hot mess but i liked him at first i was like i kind of like you jay i was like here my friends of mine owned a hookah bar in midtown with a stage they love to encourage it they'll give us the space for free let's have one space every week every other week so i give jay the space we host a few shows together they go well i go to ireland I was like a headliner at this point, right? Because, Jay, I hooked you up. I go to Ireland, I come back for a show, and fucking Jay goes, um, yeah, we're putting you on at 7 o'clock. Like, I had a little diva. I was like, um, most of my friends work in theater. They're not getting there till 10. I will not go on at 7 o'clock. And he was like, you're a diva, and uh, you're no longer a part of this project. And I was like, wow. you know what, Jay? You're no longer using my friend's space. <laughs> Haven't seen Jay since. Wow. <laughs> Very funny, very aggressive. Do you consider yourself somebody who works better on her own, or are you somebody who enjoys, obviously, pending, you know, people not being such jerks, <laughs> uh, being a collaborator? I love collaborating with people. I actually prefer that. Okay. Except for Jay. <laughs> yeah, because fuck you, Jay. Like, fuck you, Jay, wherever you are. <laughs> You know, you've He's brought- next week's guest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. He's right behind this door. You didn't realize this I is mean, also Jerry, Jerry Springer. Like, just kidding. Love ya. <laughs> you went this week to the Topaz yes, open mic. And yes. you had a positive experience there. I had such a positive experience. And I have gone to the Topaz as a drinker and an eater many times. Brandon is amazing and lovely. And That's my- the owner. Yeah. And uh, my old roommate used to live right next door. And so that was her local. It became my local. It's like a 10-minute walk from me. So we were always there. And uh, she had left me one night to go dancing. And I stayed. I happened to be an open mic. I was like, oh, I had no idea they did open mics. So I just watched it. And it was on my to-do list to do it. And then I just decided on Monday. I was like, you know what? This is a week. We're going to do it. Topaz is like the unofficial minor leagues of our show now. Mm. <laughs> this is where we get all, all of our acts and training and then we, we, we bring them up to the mages baby i, I think we yeah. should i think we have to plan uh something through radio free brooklyn uh over at the footlight where we just grab all of the folks who have been on this show through you specifically jimmy of the singer songwriter variety and uh do they can do like a special showcase Ooh. i think it's a good idea that actually, sounds so fun this week for the first time, I actually attended another open mic at the Topaz. Cheater. Oh. Yeah, it was. They have a Monday night comedy the, open mic. Oh, Ooh, I want to go to that. It was. It was packed to the gills. There was like fifty people in that room. Because there's not enough of stuff like that for comedy out there. I, I really had yeah, a good time. They did really it totally cool. different. It was called Late Night uh, at the Topaz, and they brought a cardboard desk no. oh and my like God. had the mug right. like they were and then they, they set up the couches like you were being interviewed on a late night show and then they had one okay. one of the hosts on the couch that. like andy richter and the other hosts at the desk oh yeah, yeah it yeah. was awesome i was like this is such a, a, a i don't novel watch idea. any television but i watch 
every late night show, every one of them. It was interesting because like a quarter of the guests would. That's the only thing I watched. Maybe just a quarter of the guests would actually sit on the couch and be semi-interviewed, but just kind of like be ridiculous. Yeah, that's so fun. And they had the third quarters of their own thing. I sat on the couch. Yeah, I had you to. had to. It was so cool. I would like to uh, piggyback and say that uh, you are a woman from my own heart because all I watch are fucking late night shows. Oh, I well. love them all. I love the Conan, the John Oliver, the Trevor Noah, the Jimmy Fallon. Samantha B. Oh, love Samantha B. I applied to get a mentorship there. Did not get in. Maybe we'll do it again. Samantha <laughs> But I love Samantha B. Love that show. R.I.P. John Stewart. Very sad when he left. <laughs> yeah, but you know, greener pastures. Greener pastures. Well, let's bring, bring out that guitar, baby. Okay. I want to. I want to hear. Okay. What, we want to he, hear what you got. I'm bringing out the guitar. Speaking of Craigslist, I got this guitar off Craigslist five years ago for a hundred dollars. It was raining, and the guy just gave it to me like this. And this lovely homeless man gave me a garbage bag and goes, "Girl, you can't walk around in the rain with a guitar." He goes, "Play me something." I was like, "I don't know how to play this yet, but I'll come back." And you will. And I will. I will find him. I was dating a person that was newly single and was in a relationship for many years. It was impractical for us to be dating. I knew that. I knew it. And I was a younger one, and I was like, "This, this just can't happen. There's no future in this." And.、Uh, You need to go and、um, marry this other person. And thinking about it in hindsight, that's what the song's going like. I could have been your wife. Didn't happen that way, and that's okay. <laughs> But it was—he was still in my head for a very long time. But I knew it was the right thing to do. So,、okay. Irish Catholic guilt. Lindsay Freeman here on Lost and Rewound. Another time, you could have been mine, and in another life, I would have been your wife. But it didn't go that way. It didn't go that way. You make me wanna spread, and you're like honey, getting stuck in my True, I get to be with you, and if I had my way, I'd be the one you like. But it didn't go that way. It didn't go that way, and that's okay. Shame. 
can never get enough. And when I'm making love, it's you I'm always thinking of. That was fucking badass, girl. Thank you. <laughs> Definitely good stuff. See, this is what happens. You go down to the toe page. I got this guy over in the corner. He's got Jimmy Hoffman. He says, I see. I got, I see talent over there. Okay, we got to get this. We got to get him on the show. Jimmy Hoffman. You guys are talent. so nice. I hope my mom's listening to this. See, mom? <laughs> People think I'm good. <laughs> does she can. Do, do, does your mother not uh, really understand your musical trajectory? No, she loves it. But when I was like, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to go to college and study art and theater and music. They're like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm going to go on $100,000 of debt <laughs> who doesn't love that debt like, my parents Sally may stop calling me <laughs> my, I feel like my parents I went to school for a few different things of the creative variety and I what did you go for writing major in the theater minor mm. and I ended up here I am now you know you know 12 13 years later uh, involving myself in realistically all of those things yes. albeit none of them pay i know well yep. <laughs> so, so i'm staying involved in them to some capacity but again like radio free brooklyn is probably the one of the happiest outlets of activity that takes up my weeks and it pays nothing and what you guys are doing here is so awesome like i listened this morning to kind of like prep myself to see what you guys are doing and i was like how have I not known about this? This is amazing. And I told everyone they have to start listening to it. Oh, it's like, awesome. it's awesome. It's so cool. I'm like so mad. I didn't, I was like, now I have to catch up. <laughs> well, if you are listening to us for the first time, we are grateful that you are listening to us for the first time. Future faithful listener. There we go. <laughs> we really do appreciate it. Uh, you can't tell, but there's rosy cheeks in the studio at this moment. Mm-hmm. All, all around. Very. It's a, it's a triad of rosy cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> that song that you just sang, what was the name of it? Oh, um, I, I don't name my songs. You don't name <laughs> I know. your songs. Okay. I feel like there's a lot of pressure. You should just number them. I should just number them. That's song like, number three. That's always yeah, a gangster way to do because it. Because I always feel like there's so much meat in it. I was like, how can I pick one word? Like, there's so many words, you know what I mean? Or one phrase. Maybe that's like my next project. I should start naming things. You should just call. Are you going to call your next, your, your first like album, your title album, like untitled? Yeah, untitled. <laughs> like, no name. And then people will be like, oh, does it, did they just not put a t- title? You're like, no, 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 no. no, no the title. Un- untitled. Is un- she finally decided on one title. Or like, what is it when you like save a word doc and there's like, like new doc? <laughs> just like new doc one. <laughs> new doc one. And then eventually you get to a point where after enough new docs, you're like newest doc. Newest. Newest, newest, newest doc. <laughs> I was thinking about that when you were like, yeah, I went to the new school. I was like, what, whatever happens at the old school? Oh, yeah. I was from the old the- school. <laughs> I'd be this great if there's like a dude that hangs around out front of that. Hey, new school don't know nothing. I tell you about that old school, well, baby. Well, I will say what I did love about the new school because I went to the adult continuing education program because I was like, I want to be surrounded by like not people my age, like some were my age, some were in their like mid twenties. And then a lot of them were taking it for no credit in like their sixties and seventies. And that was amazing because you just got like a different insight of different people's perspective. And many of them are still my friends. I'm like, I'm getting coffee with Ethel. Awesome. <laughs> and it was great. It was a very well-rounded experience. Yeah, there. Uh, shout out to my mother who just graduated college, graduated oh, Brooklyn college. Amazing. That just happened? Yeah. yeah she, this, this, you know, past um, commencement I was at. Oh my God. Got to see awesome. Bernie Sanders speak because it was Ooh, Brooklyn college. Uh, 
That's yeah. a great it speaker. Was, um, what was she studying? She went for psychology, Ooh, I want to say. Yeah, but nice. she's, she just went to undergrad, and I believe she's going to pursue her graduate's degree now. Great. Awesome. Um, great to hear. That's amazing. And she's like a mom age. So, yeah. You know, anyone so can cool. still do it. Anyone can still do it. She never got that. a chance to go to college. Yeah. She always wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually also bought a house. Uh, she just bought Lady a house in, Empire. In, in, in Midwood. And it's really funny, too, because she totally hangs out with people around my age or younger that yeah. she knows from college. I think it's just like a soul thing. You yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. You either connect on the soul. Because some people my age, I'm like, I just, no. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we got a good rapport going with Miss Lindsay Freeman, Lost and Rewound. Yeah, get those bagel bites cooking and get yourself back. <laughs> Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm going to be tough love here. Ooh, okay. All right, I'm Papa Danziger. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. Lost and Rewound's main mission is to play <laughs> embarrassing clips of each other to go back to the times that are not as comfortable to share as others. Our submissions have been very varied and in terms of how far back a lot of our submissions go. For full disclosure, your submissions are a little newer, but the stories behind these submissions are so confessional and so sensitive that I would argue that they are just as important to tell in a public setting as any old tape that I've shared from my teens. Could you please tell us why you moved to Ireland? I was in a long-term relationship that I thought was going great. And uh, about four years we were dating and... um, the night before, he said, I love you so much. You're my one and only. And the morning he woke up, he was like, just kidding. I do not love you anymore. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so embarrassing fact about me is when I hear upsetting news, I just throw up. I throw up like immediately. And so he proceeded to go to the bathroom. And so I grabbed our red popcorn bowl and threw up in the bowl. And um, this asshole walked over me <laughs> to get his suit. And then he was like, and by the way, you're going to have to move out at the end of the month, which was like five days. I can understand, like, you're not feeling this anymore, okay? But there's a friendship there. Like, I would give my enemy longer days. My mom always taught me to have your fuck it fund for when you have to say fuck it. So I said, you know what? I don't need five days. I need one. And my sister came, and we picked up my shit, and then I decided to quit my job moved to Ireland because I am half Irish and no one in my family ever really talked about it. And I took a lot of Irish literature classes at the new school and Margaret Daniels, shout out to her. She's the best Irish literature teacher. And when I was at the new school, she kept saying, you need to go to this school in Ireland. It was the uh, Yates uh, summer school there. Where in Ireland? In Sligo, Ireland. I have no idea where that is. Okay, so if you're, you go to Dublin, which is lovely, and I went to Dublin, I'm like, I'm killing it. It's just like New York City. I love it. And then Sligo is like a six-hour bus north, 
And I got out, and the bus stop is just cows and then mountains. That sounds about right. And this is also the first time I ever left the U.S. So I was like, Your oh. first time being out of the U.S. Just went on my own. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to apply for this program. I got a scholarship. And like, I'm used to getting rejected from everything in New York, right? Wait. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, and rejection sucks because you got rejection and then you accomplished something. But you got approved for a scholarship in record time. Like, it was amazing. So I've always wanted to go to the school. And I was always working during the summer. And I had this epiphany. It was like around May. Everything lined up. I was like, I'm just going to submit. It said you had to like submit an essay. So I just submitted a short story about me not being able to write the essay. I'll never forget it because I'm really used to trying to do theater. Just rejection's like funny. I'm like, up. Oh, Another one bites the dust. And they were like, dear Miss Freeman, we are so happy you applied. They thought I was like Einstein or something. I was like, I fucking love Ireland. They get me. (laughs) (laughs) Full scholarship. So I went there. It was amazing. The program was for two weeks, but I ended up staying for like a year because I kept meeting people and I would just stay with people and I found my soul. I was like, I forced myself to be in New York, Ireland. I felt like that's where my soul belonged and that's where I like reconnected with music again. And like you could be in a bar. Everyone's got a story to tell or a song to sing or a poem. The bodega guy knows who Yates is and who Joyce is. And what I loved about Ireland, which I feel like you don't always get here in New York, if you say like oh what do you do and you're like I'm an actress or I'm a writer I'm a singer they're like oh great what are you working on in New York they're like yeah okay but like what do you really do you know what I mean (laughs) and that's like not the mentality in Ireland it's such a storytelling culture that in fact when I moved back to the city the first thing I did was knock on the Irish Art Center door I was like who do I talk to to get a job here I was like I could do anything hang lights I could do sound I could do box office and now four years later I still work at the Irish Art Center (laughs) you're right they're very much about in Ireland if you if you're putting effort into doing anything that's that's more than, your, than your current circumstance supportive and everyone wants to have a chat like they'll be like are you all right i was like yeah i'm fine and they're like no like how's your day going they're not trying to hit on you they're not punching you in the subway they genuinely want to have a chat you mentioned that irish uh, are big into storytelling and all i can think of was a musical improv <laughs> exercise that i did where we had to come up with irish folktales and the exercise <laughs> would be like raise your glasses high me lad raise your glasses high raise your glasses high me lad this story will make you cry and then we go in one day it. i went out to the park and fed some little birds <laughs> and, and you just keep going on I love that. I'm going to start doing that on my walk to the subway. You know, we'll, we'll talk. It's yeah, fun. yeah. <laughs> I've, had, I've had Irish uh, and English, um, maybe Scots as well, even tell me this the same way they go. They're like, how come you guys don't have like prepared jokes? Like, everyone oh, yeah. here, we've got <laughs> no. long-form jokes oh. we tell at the bar all the time. <laughs> it's so we had our Christmas party and like you could not get people off. Like everyone was like, wait, I got one more song. I got one more. They, always have a, they have a prepared material. Oh, yeah. Like regular always. people have material. Yeah, they yeah. Do. Like John down the street has a whole routine. <laughs> and it's funny because I was thinking about that. My father is a storyteller, but his best friend, this great guy named Lewis, uh, who works upstate. And I want to say he runs a, um, a company that does like wallpapering and stuff like that. He's the same guy. He has jokes on hand, I love ready. It. I in love that, he has them like just in the pocket, and I can tell he's just ready. You know what? Like my the first opportunity. Favorite to tell you word on. for that is a good raconteur. Ah, I yeah. love that word. I That's like that, my favorite word. I will learn that word through. You could uh, be a raconteur. Thank you. I will yeah, learn that through welcome. Jack White. You know, <laughs> I almost wore my raccoon tour. Oh, shirt today. No, 
That's amazing. Yeah. I kind of... He knows what I'm talking about, the raccoon with the guitar. Yeah. That's I mean, very funny. Again, I was, I was listening to the raccoon tours like yesterday, I think, the band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good stuff. We, Full circle. <laughs> we're, about, we're about to listen to the... Well, it's a video, but I mean, it's just you playing the guitar, so it, effectively audio is the more dominant of the features. And could you tell us a little bit about this? This is a stem oh, from yeah. that uh, uh, breakup. Yeah, and this song does have a title. It's called Five Days, <laughs> talking yeah. about how I had five days <laughs> to move. My dad helped me a lot, too, so it references my dad a little bit. It was the first thing I did when that happened was just pick up my guitar I didn't know how to play guitar very well yet. I knew two chords that I really liked, A and E. <laughs> this is the first song you ever wrote? Yeah, this is the first song I ever wrote. But I really like percussion, so it has a much more percussion sound because I couldn't do a lot of fingery things yet. Uh, so it's a guitar, but it has like a drum feel to it too. But I picked it up and I just started beating it and kind of saying this one chorus. I was like, ooh, I kind of liked it. And then I worked on it. And to me, it's one of my most cathartic songs. I paid for a lot of therapy sessions after that, but like, this was like the biggest one. <laughs> Context given. Now we provide it to you, the listener. just cuts off uh yeah i wanted to <laughs> it was more. the first song so you know we weren't good at endings <laughs> that's, that's fair that was um for a first song it was like way better than a lot of other people's stuff yeah 
I mean, that was just really, no, really no, wrong. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> not trying to talk smack at all of our <laughs> guests and previous people I've heard with their first song. You're not going to find two more positive paths than here, the ones you're listening to right now. As I was saying before, hearing something like that is just as relevant as what I had when I was, you know, a baby making gurgling noises. Hearing something like that is real, that's strong, that's strong. But then again, you were also coming from a really sensitive place yeah there was a lot that had to get out <laughs> and i didn't know how else to get it out you know I, look I mean? I mean i've never been in that long of a relationship that has ended so abruptly yeah yeah so only... no no closure still exactly don't know. still don't know uh, for real yeah still don't know <laughs> all these years later still don't know won't talk to me <laughs> wow jeez and how long were you guys together for four almost four Four years. I say four because it's like a little more dramatic. Unbelievable. Like four. Dude, you, yeah. you done fucked up. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 I mean you, you created. I'm amazing. A, yeah. You, I mean, you spurned a lovely lady to create awesome music, but at the same time, uh, no closure. I, I the Lack of closure always fucks with my head. I know. But this is your origin story. This it guy is, my is This guy is, is your Joe Chill. You know what I'm talking about? I also have. <laughs> <laughs> So, for those of you out there who don't know who Joe Chill is, he killed Batman's parents. Oh, yes. yeah, totally. So, had well, there been no Joe say, Chill, there'd be no Batman. I will say I had an amazing support system of family and friends around me who I just want to give a shout-out to. My mom, my dad, my brother, and my sister, and my best friend Cassie, and her husband Michael took me in like a baby in their wound and like just fed me and let me like cry for, and like get over it. So. so they were like your Alfred. Yes, they were definitely my Alfred. <laughs> my Alfred, my Oracle. And all this. Were your siblings also um, when you were growing up or are they still now uh, involved in the theater arts, musical Not arts? Not at all. My brother is an engineer so he's the one with the great house and he just moved to this like bougie apartment. It's amazing. I just show up and go swimming in his pool. Um, he's my older brother and also has served as like a very strong parental figure for me. He traveled the world. He's very cultured. He's come to everything I've ever done. Um, and then I have a younger sister, and she works in communications. Being a middle child, mm-hmm. did that ever create some kind of complexities growing up about getting the right amount of attention? Uh, I think so a little bit. People will laugh. Okay, so in high school, I think I had this fantasy of what I thought I should be. I feel like I watched a lot of sitcoms, like Say by the Bell, right? So I thought I had to be like straight A student, which I was. I was like homecoming queen, class president. It's laughable now. Like I tell people that know me in New York now, and they're like, you are what? Like you're kind of a mess. Like I was like, I know. I was like, that was my peak. <laughs> I got a phone call a year ago and they're like, by the way, you have to plan the 10 year reunion. I was like, no, 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 guys. We're going to um, delegate this out. I just don't have time for this anymore. Like Lindsay 10 years ago was like really ambitious and now Lindsay doesn't give a shit. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. But I feel like I thought I had to be this like perfect thing. And then I moved to New York and I was like, oh my God, I could be weird and creative. And like, this is who I really am. Like, I thought I was this thing. Like, I didn't even like have a sip of alcohol in high school. I didn't go to the parties. And I got to New York and I was like, whoa! This is amazing. There's yeah. drag shows and that show. It was and, like, like, I that, it was like Reefer Madness and you were like, ding, 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 ding. I literally <laughs> was like, yeah, this is Reefer Madness. And that's exactly <laughs> why I did not want to go undergrad in the city. My sister went to undergrad yeah. in the city and I just felt so distracted even after I finished undergrad coming to the city for the first time. I didn't go to the bars yeah. until yeah. I was 21. So I was still in that 
limelight uh living it up and going to the bars when i got to the city i felt like it was an extension of college a little bit yes. what would have happened if i was 18 it would have been a nightmare i would oh. have never gotten anywhere i mean it would have been great i would have been gotten into everything that i am into now four years earlier right right but there is like sometimes my best friend and i who went to college together will talk and we'll be like wouldn't it be great if we went back to undergrad now? Because I would be so more attentive. Abort, abort, abort. <laughs> I was actually just thinking that, like, man, I would have actually done all. I would have done a lot of stuff. I would have relied on Wikipedia a lot less and like <laughs> read the books. All right, okay. We only have time for probably one more clip. In fact, it's not much of a clip. It's actually it's something you're going to read. Mm-hmm. We were talking earlier about your involvement in spoken word. Yes, and around the time that you became involved seriously in music you got involved seriously in spoken word which i think lent itself very well to the music yeah being able to write lyrics better this piece was inspired by someone who essentially chose cocaine addiction over a relationship with me <laughs> okay <laughs> and it's and, and it's, this does have a title. It does. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mazel tov. Um, it's called uh, read between the white lines read between the white lies I find myself hopelessly in love with a memory. I am mopishly in war with the enemy. You left me dejected, you wrecked it, you left it what it was and what we had. I didn't think it was possible, but you found a bitch whiter and smoother than me. She could lift you up in ways I could never hope to, but she brought us down and down hard, and her come off was your come down, and when you would come down, you would come to bring me down too. She would drown out the sounds of me, You would put me on mute and listen to her deafening clamor, caught up in the overnight glamour, only to leave me wide awake and reeling in flashbacks and rewinds of the venomous words you spat just the very night before. This bitch, you could put her in your pocket and she wasn't a cheap date like me. No, this bitch was expensive, made for the Wolves of Wall Street types, exquisitely dressed in sheep's clothing. This bitch, she gets all up there inside you, and for a spell all too quickly broken, she takes away your pain, but just temporarily, until her next move proceeds, and she's got you opening up wide for that bird seed, because man, it's what you need, and she's got you straight up tripping, tweaked out to the next dipping, and I know you're all insane in the men brain, got that instant relief from your mundane, but my bones are shaking, and my soul is faking, and I know deep down this shit ain't right. She makes you feel great until she makes you feel bad, and your bad turns into my bad, turns into my sad, turns into your mad, and how the fuck did I end up here again? I could not compete with her. Her fine-spun white lines turned into your finely woven white lies is where your pain left and mine began. Isn't it funny how something that can make you feel so good can make me feel so bad? And with nervous thought, I'm afraid you only live for the numbness, only for the fun shit, because I am hurting and you just don't care. You can't be in it for the real of it, say you don't want to deal with it, so you steal from my trust, and it's becoming clearer and clearer that you feel more for your dealer, got more stakes on white lines and glass mirrors, spent more cake on fake feelers, because our love keeps getting weaker and she keeps making you tweak harder until you lose all control. And with feigning hope, I watch you catch yourself, watch you doubt yourself, but then your asshole confidence creeps back in, back in with another quick bump, and this bitch pulls you back into her great white way. I find myself hopelessly in love with a memory of you. I didn't think it was possible, but you found a bitch whiter and smoother than me, and my war isn't with her because she has destroyed kingdoms of men far greater than you and before you and will continue, but I am done now. Farewell, my love. I kissed the dust off your nose and licked the last dip off your lips. Your decision was made for me, not gray-black, but cold stone white. 
I refuse to be the casualty of one man's war with himself, not today, not tomorrow, and not for one more single night. Holy shit, yo. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that was the first ever spoken word piece you wrote? Yeah. And, um, what the fuck? Also quite strong. <laughs> yeah. that was and I'll never forget uh, where I wrote it in uh, Cafe Benny in Times Square. I was unemployed that <laughs> with my Benny, yeah. original like MacBook Pro, the real heavy ones that you would carry around. You're like, this is a burden. <laughs> and <laughs> I like, have that same MacBook Pro. It's so heavy. It's so heavy. Oh, my God. And I just kept sitting there writing it and writing it and writing it and I had like few revisions here and there but the first time trying it out I was so nervous and I uh, called my best friend Akeem I was like uh, I need you to come with me because uh, it's the Norican Poets Cafe um, I'm a tiny little white girl I need you to be my black guy and he's my best friend and he was like okay he goes uh, sure we'll do that and now he lives in LA so I videotape my spoken words and send them to him but he was like my first supporter I was like I'm going to try this out for you and he's my best friend in the world he would be honest and be like that sucks don't do that <laughs> you know so if he says it was good I felt confident <laughs> that's yeah it's good to have honest people like yeah yeah he's the tin man to my Dorothy for sure awesome <laughs> it's really nice to be able to have friends who are supportive of your work they may not necessarily get to be there all the time for your work but if they have a good ear a good eye and, and also they're not afraid to be honest they will give you all the time in the world just so that you know and you're confident enough with the work that you have because mm -hmm. it's gone through their filter. Yes. Uh, and maybe sometimes they don't ask you to build a man anything, but it always feels cathartic and nice with certain people that you're connected with who you trust. Yes. You go, you go through them and then they say, well, why do we want to keep this part? And then you can talk about that. You have right. that conversation. Yeah, exactly. Actually, he was the one who said it the first time. He was like, I don't know if people are going to get that it's cocaine right away. He goes, you need to put in a little more things to make sense of that. Otherwise, they're just going to think it's another white bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the first time I did it, people were like a little confused. So then he's like, you need to put in a little more. And I was like, you're right, because I know what I'm saying. But unless you know the story behind it, you don't have time to like yeah. tell the story behind it. You can't tell you, the story. Yeah. You, can't, you gotta add context clues. Exactly. Jimmy, you, you wrote poetry for the first time recently. Did you have somebody who you were able to read it to who gave you their thoughts? No, actually. And that's one thing that I've had trouble with is mm. uh, being constructive with my own poetry because I know that it's so rough right now and that I want to make it better. But it's hard for me to reapproach it and know which direction to go with it. I could be that person. I'm a, I'll, I'll, I'll support that. Do we all think that it's a little more difficult when we come out of the educational setting, when we're used to talking with our advisors and our teachers with the work that we've created, and then we're in the real world and mm. we're still seeking that out? And do we seek our significant others, our family members, or do we feel more comfortable allowing the organic process for us to be our own best critics and not really worry about it going through any of those filters? Depends on the confidence, I feel. I think for me, especially going through theater school, if I'm not critiqued, I feel weird. I need criticism. I don't trust my organic process. So I will always run it by one or two people that I really trust or try it out somewhere. For me, I need that. And I will seek it out. Yeah. One thing that I think is interesting, especially with uh, stand-up, it's completely trial and error based mm. and right. the whole audience itself is giving you feedback while it's happening. It's a unique animal in that no matter what, you have to throw it into the, yeah. the totally. pool of sharks. So it's one of those things that in my mind, 
I could practice it to people, but in essence, it wouldn't be the same because yeah. I wouldn't have an audience. I need the audience totally. for the you art form to, to exist. Totally. I'll practice sometimes in smaller rooms, but at the mm. same time, if that room is just constituted of different people, it's going to have a totally different reaction. Right. Each so audience is different. That's one thing I was, yeah. I was brought up last night when I performed. The smaller the room, the harder for me. Yeah, when you said that, I was like, oh my God, that's so true. Because I only have these 20 people's perceptions and they're, you know. With- but he did amazing, so. <laughs> like, stop I've seen him rock that room before. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice space, too. It's, it's a lovely space. It's like a hidden gem. It is a gem. Ah. But it's a little bit better than Amethyst Bar. No, no, no. <laughs> so folks can see you weekly there uh, with any luck since now you've officially come out of the woodwork as a full-fledged open mic songstress. Yeah, and a radio lady. Well, <laughs> yes. A cast of... I, I, like, I like radio lady. Radio lady. That I can call myself a radio man, and I kind of like that. What, are you, what would you call yourself? I'm a radio man. Oh, hashtag radio man. Hashtag radio man. Maybe that's for my Halloween costume. Amazing. <laughs> I already had an idea, and I was going to make it a secret, but I feel like I want to... Oh, I, I always have to make mine a secret. Oh, a secret. really? Maybe I should keep always. it a secret because if it falls through... <laughs> That's basically why. <laughs> downfall. <laughs> Lindsay, what, what, where else can people see you perform? It seems like you're ripe for all sorts of different venues. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I definitely will be back at the Topaz <laughs> uh, since that was my first open mic. Always at the Norican Poets Cafe every Wednesday evening at 9 o'clock. And uh, you can feel free to follow me on Instagram. I put a lot of stuff up there. Uh, the Lindsay Freebird is my Instagram name. A or an E? E. Lindsay Freebird. The right way, E. The, Lin- the Lindsay Freebird. Freebird, yes. Beautiful. Thank you guys so much. Lindsay Freeman, uh, class act here on Lost and Wild. You will be back because you owe us more audio. Oh, yes. I will be back. I promise. Uh, I'm like, I, oh, yes. Hypnotizing. You will come back. <laughs> no, it'll be. It'll happen. Awesome. Thank you yeah. so much for coming through. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it so awesome. much. So lovely to meet both of you. Yeah. Of and I'll totally like creep around more. Like Now that I'm here, you haven't lost me. <laughs> we create a rogues gallery. Yeah. That's the idea. <laughs> Everyone will reappear at some point maybe new costume change and they're like ah my plot is a little bit deeper you're you're a part of the family now (laughs) all right (laughs) thanks again for all of our family members for joining us again or family member hi mom again literal (laughs) literal and figurative family member for joining us on this week of lost and rewound join us again next week for another edition if you want to reach out to us and submit your materials uh, pitch us your ideas, Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Again, thank you guys so much. We'll, we'll see y'all later. We'll see y'all next week. Catch you on the flippity flip. Flippity flip. Bye-bye. Jumanji or no? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, my God. Dude, you running around with, like, all the leaves on, just going, what year is it? <laughs> <laughs> so and, like, can we hire tigers to just chase you?